Well, so today, uh, today, church, I'm going to start part four, uh, one of my favorite series. This is why I don't have any other ser- series that we've done this many parts to before. Uh, and it's called, the Bible says, what? It's spelled like that on purpose. If you're new, let me explain. This is, doesn't make sense to you. Listen, I believe uh, with all of my heart what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I believe that with all of my heart, but sometimes when I'm reading in the Bible different passages, I'm at different places in scripture, I read it, and if I'm reading slowly and I'm really thinking about what I'm reading, I might just have to find myself saying, what? What? Wait, pause. What? We have done, uh, we've covered a lot of stuff in these, the previous three versions of this series. Proverbs 26 says, uh, do this, but also don't do this in like one verse. We do things like, and if you're reading slowly enough, you go, wait, what? Wait, what? Don't worry, we explain these things and, and we explain them, we explore them together, we go deeper, don't worry, we don't leave them as questions. Uh, I came across one in 1 Corinthians 11 that I spoke on where uh, Paul says to the church, he's just talking about different things in uh, chapter 11, and then he goes, and because of the angels, we do this. And you're just like, because of why? What? Who says that? What does that even mean? He gives no explanation for it. Psalm 137 was a difficult one to explain, but I felt like I couldn't ignore it. It says, happy is he who dashes your infants against the rocks. <laughs> Just reading through the Psalms, praising the Lord. That's right there. You should ask yourself, what? Leviticus says so many times, like multiple times, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Okay, I won't. I, I don't know. Why is it so many times in there? I don't understand. My favorite one was, this is just because I, I'm, a, I'm a ridiculous person. My favorite one was how uncomfortable I made the church when I did 1 Corinthians 14 about women should be silent in the church as I preached about it. Uh, it was my favorite. There were so many conversations afterwards. We were like, Pastor, we did not know where you were going. But you got there. We are so glad in the end. Yeah, so... So we've done lots of different things over the years in this series. It's a lot of fun. And also a very serious business because I want so much, church, for each one of you to know that when you go to the scriptures, there should be things that you don't totally understand. There are layers. There are things to explore. There's, there's deep meaning. There's revelation from the Holy Spirit. And, and that you don't ever have to be nervous about going to the word. If you don't understand something right away or there's mystery involved or like the Bible's not going to fall apart when you ask it questions. And I always want you to be so like encouraged by that, that we don't ever have to read something and go, I don't know. I'm just going to skip past that part. You can always go into the word and expect that it's going to teach, rebuke, correct and train you in righteousness and that there's, there's some digging to do and it's such a beautiful thing. So this series uh, is meant to intentionally pause on hard things, to unpack them, to to see how they might do these things uh, that Paul had said to Timothy, so that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this part four, I'm going to call specifically a spiritual warfare edition. There's so much that we could talk about in this series. We're going to touch briefly this morning. I know that sounds weird, but just briefly, we're going to talk about angels and demons. We're going to talk about some, some deeper spiritual things for the next couple of weeks. Because there are so many mysteries uh, surrounding the spiritual realm. 
And to be honest with you, the Bible, from my liking, if it was up to me, you know, it says far too little about the reality of what we can't see. And yet, what we have in the Word is what we have. And so I want to take a look at some passages that give us glimpses into the spiritual realm and that might make you go, what? So let's dive into that. Bible says, what part four, spiritual warfare edition. And I'm going to read you one of these passages for me that I love, but I also go, what did I just read? I hope you have that same reaction. You're just not like, that's so like, I figured that out such a long time ago. So if that's you, just that's fine. Uh, Let's turn to the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 10. Going to be on the screen for you, but also uh, in the YouVersion app under more and then events, you could follow along there. You can take notes there. We've got this all loaded up for you. In advance of the beginning of this message, I do also want to commend our media operator, Vaughn, this morning. Normally, a message could have like a dozen or less slides in it. I made 30 slides for this morning. So, you know, like... (laughs) I just, I wish you the best of luck. I honor your serving the church this morning. And if you miss something, don't worry about it. Uh, So Daniel chapter 10. Let's read a few verses and then we'll skip a few from there. Let's start at verse 1. This is Daniel talking. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called, I should have practiced this one, uh, Belteshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, nor, or wine touched my lips. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So just in general, like a, a deep sense of mourning and fasting and prayer. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Apes around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but they such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees, and he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Verse 20. So he said, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against him except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. Guys, that is awesome. And also, I hope you're getting a picture here. Like, whenever I read this passage, I just think, 
what is going on here? What is this insight into the spiritual realm that just like drops in here like we're supposed to understand everything that's going on? There is, yes, indeed, if you're reading carefully, it's a picture of angels and demons fighting. Angels are tag-teaming each other in to accomplish the task that was given to them, and that is amazing. And I hope that's amazing to you today, that this is not like a vision or a fantasy, but this is being reported as like, sorry, I couldn't get here in time because I was fighting against the prince of Persia, but then Michael came so then I could come, and then I'm going to go back. That's what he literally just said. Did everybody understand that? And it's like, no big deal. I just want to let you know that's what's going on. Sorry it took me 21 days to get here. I just, I, I was tied up a little bit. I love that so much. And I want to know, I want to just know from you, does the knowledge of the spiritual realm that we just read in Daniel, like this isn't a new scripture, you guys understand this. This has been here a long time. Does the knowledge of this scripture factor into your life most days? <laughs> you're just, you know, dragging yourself out of bed, brushing your teeth, scraping off your car. We haven't had to do a lot of that lately. You're just getting stuff done. You're getting groceries. You're going about your day. When you pause on this scripture and you realize that while you are going about your ordinary life, this is the kind of thing that's happening behind the veil of what we can see. Does that factor into your thinking? Interesting, isn't it? I want to be really clear with you this morning in case there's any ambiguity. I, I, I grew up learning lessons like this, and so I, but I completely understand that many of you did not. Learning that this was a reality. We really do, in this church, in this denomination, we really do believe that what we've just read is, isn't a metaphor for something else. We really believe this is a picture of reality. And if you're new to this, that might sound crazy to you, and I, I respect that, but I want to just invite you to stick with me. Just stick with me on this, and, let me, and then you can decide what you think at the end. But I really believe that our understanding of the spiritual realm is so much more important than we think. So I'm going to give you a little bit of what I studied, just, just to sort of um, give it to you in, in, a, in, in just a, a soundbite a little bit so we understand what we're talking about. The, the Lexham Survey of Theology said it really well, and I just thought that would be a really helpful way. This is also in your YouVersion app. It's, I, I loaded this up for you. So if you want to um, have that for notes for later, that's there for you. It says this, Our basic belief is that when God created the universe, he not only created the material realm, but also a spiritual realm, which is composed of immaterial creatures known as angels and demons. Angels are understood to be faithful ministers of God. The Bible tells us that they worship God in heaven, that they carry out his assignments on earth. God commissions angels to protect people, to deliver them from danger, to transmit divine messages, and to encourage believers. That's essentially what we just read in the book of Daniel. Demons are said to have rejected God and in, are in opposition to him. Their activities in the world are to engage in warfare with the angels, tempt people to sin, deceive the world with lies that blind people to spiritual truth, Scripture also speaks of demons physically assaulting people and even possessing people to do their will. Satan, according to Scripture, Satan was a particularly powerful and high-ranking angel who led one-third of angelic hosts to rebel against God. And like the other angels and demons, Satan is an invisible being who is highly intelligent and very powerful. And since his initial rebellion, Satan has continued to work against God's purposes in the world. He actively opposes the gospel by blinding unbelievers to his truth, persecuting the church, promoting false doctrine. 
Satan actively seeks to influence and trap Christians in sin. Satan is also an accuser, calling the faith of Christians into question before God and accusing them. And so you'll see lots of scripture references in there, which we clearly won't have time to go through each one today. But I wanted to tell you all of that and show you that brief picture to say this. Scripture really does teach that this is not Christian mythology. This is not a metaphor for something else. That this is the reality of the spiritual realm that is something that we cannot see, but is in fact going on in the world around us. And so we turn our attention back to that scripture we read in Daniel, and we think about these definitions, what the, what the rest of scripture says about angels and demons, and we come back to what is, is shared here in Daniel chapter 10. And we start to formulate a picture of what is really happening in there based on the reality of what we know from the whole counsel of the word of God. If you back up just a little bit in, in the book of Daniel to just to chapter 9, it says that Daniel was uh, searching the scriptures and that he, he read the prophecy of Jeremiah. And he understood when he read that prophecy that the exile of the Jewish people, they were in Babylon, they had been exiled there, and that they would last for 70 years. And he understood that that's what the prophetic message said. And it was so troubling to him. It, it caused him to mourn so greatly. And so he starts to fast and to pray and to plead with God. And he repents for Israel's sins. And he asks for forgiveness. And he asks, like, God, would you show your favor to your people again? Not for our sake, but for your own sake, because of your mercy, uh, because of your righteousness, uh, so that people would know your name. Would you come and would you act on our behalf? This is his prayer. And then in, in verse 22 of chapter 9, it says this, While he did this, Gabriel came to him. Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. And then, of course, in Daniel 10, what we just read comes after that, because when he hears the, the message of the vision, when he is given a, a picture into what comes next, he mourns for three weeks, because the revelation of the meaning of the vision is so heavy and so hard for him to know how to process it. And so he just goes to God with it again. And that's what we were just reading. And from that, we read about that angelic visitation that we just talked about, the, 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 fight, the fighting in the heavenlies and those kind of things. That second angelic visitation could have been Gabriel again. The angel is not named. There also seems that there might actually have been a, a vision or a picture of, of Jesus himself, of the, of the Son of God, before the, the angel speaks to him. There's lots of, lots of fun things to study in this passage. And all of this paints this incredible picture. But I think we have to understand um, not just how interesting and cool that is, but really see what is happening here with Daniel and his response. Because the thing I want you to see is that this all happened as Daniel humbled himself, as he diligently prayed, as he sought God. And God's response to all of that was that he dispatched angels through a battle to come and answer his prayer. So I always ask myself when I'm reading passages like this that are a little beyond the scope of my everyday life, what should I do with this? 
all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What am I supposed to do with this, Lord? This picture you've given us of the spiritual realm. I find that when we ask ourselves that question, or maybe we don't, there are two common responses. When we start to talk about the spiritual realm, when we start to get into this kind of topic, there are two very common responses from people. The first one is fear. You just are like, and I'm good. So I don't really want, like, that's cool, 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 cool. I love Jesus, but I don't really want to know about that. But I'm really glad that there's angels watching out for me. Like, that's just like, you know, there's just like a step back. I don't, I don't need to engage with that reality. The second one is obsession. There are people who just get so obsessed with the spiritual realm. They're looking for it. They're reading everything into everything, and they're trying to figure everything out. They're trying to make sense of every little thing. This is like the person you say, this is actually a really common thing when you don't want to be in that category. You say, well, like I'm not looking for a demon under every rock or whatever. Have you heard this? Yeah. So people who are looking and obsessing about trying to understand every little thing. Those are the common responses to when it comes to the unknown and, and the, some of the mystery of the spiritual realm. But it probably won't surprise you this morning to say, that I will say to you, we are not called to either. We are not called to either. We have absolutely no reason to be afraid. There's just nothing to fear. Just because we don't fully understand something doesn't mean we need to be afraid of it. Just because we can't see it with our physical eyes doesn't mean we need to be afraid of it. In almost every angelic encounter in scripture, the person is told what? Do not be afraid. <laughs> because it is a common, it isn't like, you know, you would be like afraid too if, that, if a, an angel appeared to you this afternoon. But that's the first thing that's said over and over and over and over again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is real, but you still don't have to be afraid. It might be shocking, but you don't need to fear. You don't have to fear because I'm here because God is for you and he's working on your behalf and it's a very, very good thing so just don't be afraid. And also, the other thing that we get kind of nervous about talking about demons and all of that kind of thing, I gotta tell you, when demons are present in scripture, the spirit of Jesus shows himself to be stronger every single time, by a lot, Jesus cast out demons, he set people free, and so did the disciples when the Spirit was working in them. And Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's not even like there's two equal powers battling, we don't know what's going to happen. Jesus wins literally every single time. So we, we who know Jesus, we who have been given the Spirit of Jesus do not have a reason to fear. And I will also say when it comes to the obsession piece, there is no place for hyperfixation on things that we cannot know and we're not given in the word. If we were meant to have a full picture of the spiritual realm, it would be in these pages. But what we do have, we can believe in faith and we can understand to the best of our ability and study and make sure we understand its reality. We do that with all diligence, of course. And we don't have to know everything. We, guys, we don't know, like, so many things. <laughs> like, already so many things. And when we don't know and we don't understand, when there's mystery involved, this gives us an incredible opportunity. It gives us the opportunity to trust God. 
to trust God with the unknown, to look at him and look for him in all things, in all things in your life, to be aware that there's a spiritual realm without letting it distract you from following Jesus. It doesn't let you get sidetracked. It's just like, I understand that exists. I understand who I am in Christ. I understand how powerful Jesus is, and I'm going to just keep walking on. I, there's a lot of ways to do this, but I'll tell you what, friends. <laughs> I don't know, 2022, I just, <laughs> I just said this a lot. I was like, you know what? I can see what the enemy is trying to do. And I say, some of you have heard me say this many times this year. I say, no thank you. I say, no thank you. I see it. I'm aware of it. But Jesus is greater. No thank you. Let's walk on. And I don't say, like, please know my heart. I don't say that flippantly in any way. I say, I see what the enemy is doing. I'm aware that that's happening. And I am not concerned because Jesus is greater. And that's who lives in me. Period. Okay, let's go home. (laughs) You know, that's true. I mean, it's true, right? So we don't fear and we don't obsess. We don't hyperfixate and we don't, we don't walk away and pretend it doesn't exist. We just stand in the authority of Christ living in us. That's what we're called to. What we do know from Scripture about the spiritual realm is that when it comes to talking about these things, there are some things that we are called to. We do know this. We must be aware and we must respond. We must be aware and we must respond. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? So therefore, put on the full armor of God, So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So you hear it there. We have to be aware of where the battle really is and then respond to it appropriately. Not in your, you notice that, not in your mighty power, but in the Lord's mighty power. Oh man, I'm so glad it's not for me because I would lose every time. I would lose every time. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There it is. Be aware. Where is the battle really happening? What is really happening? What is it that you have in Christ already and then you choose to respond you will take every thought captive and you will make it obedient to Christ and walk in the authority and power that you have in the spirit and if you're there's a really cool example of of this I was thinking about the the spiritual I just wanted to throw in here so I didn't miss it in 2nd Kings 6 there's this story and it's these verses basically summarize it it says when the the servant of the man of God who is Elisha got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
there's just this understanding that it's not our battle to fight. Scripture says it over and over and over again, but we absolutely have to be aware that a battle is happening. Where the battle is happening, it's not against the person sitting beside you. It's not against your coworker. It's not against your family member. There's a spiritual battle that's happening that we have to know, be aware of, and know that we can respond to it also in the spirit. That's what we're supposed to understand about the spiritual realm. Jack Hayford says it like this, spiritual warfare is the battle that continues between the armies of God and the forces of the devil. It is not poetry or play. It's real. And its plunder is the souls of free-willed human beings. If it were merely a matter of power, the almighty God could master the prince of darkness in a moment. But because the ebb and flow of battle depends on the will of humans to receive or reject divine rule, to believe or refuse divine grace. The struggle for minds and bodies goes on. The adversary who hates everything that even remotely bears God's image hates and seeks to control men. I thought that was just, a, just like a helpful definition for us to understand that uh, we were talking, we, we, we studied spiritual warfare last fall in our connecting point group. And this was one of the questions is, if God is so powerful, why doesn't he just, like, let's just be done with it. What a great explanation here from Jack Hayford to say, see, God has given us the, the, the ability to choose him or not. That's like one of his greatest acts of love is to give us free will. Say, I'm not going to force you to love me. I'm not going to force you to serve me. I'm not going to force you to bend your knee. You have that option. But because of that battle, because of that is always going on, there is still a spiritual battle. Someday, as you know, if you've read through the scriptures, you know how it ends. Someday Jesus is coming and the battle will be over. Oh, we could sing some songs about that right now. But, you, but in this moment and today, we are called to something else. Until Jesus comes and fights and wins, if you've read Revelation, you know it's not really a battle at all. Battle lines are drawn and then Jesus wins. Like that's literally how it goes in Revelation. So that we know that that's coming, but in this moment, uh, sister and brother, co-heir with Christ, you understand that in this moment you need to be aware that this is real and know that you can respond. You do not have to be afraid. You don't have to be obsessed with it. You can just know who you are in Christ and, and respond. We know that spiritual warfare is a reality, but we also know some really practical things. Back to Daniel what did Daniel do when he saw the incredible things, when his eyes were opened to his spiritual reality? He just simply went to God in prayer. And when he did that, he was heard by God and God responded. I got to tell you, that scripture has been so powerful for me. There was a delay between the prayer and the answer to prayer. Can you already see where I'm going to say there was a little bit of encouragement for me in there? I don't know what you're praying for. But God heard him the first moment he started to pray. And there was some time, in this case 21 days, but there was some time between, between there and there. I'm not saying God is going to answer your prayer in 21 days. That's not for me to say. But I am saying to you, Scripture says over and over again, he hears your prayer and is responding. We trust his timing. We trust his will. But he hears and responds. It's an incredible thing. We also read, and this is really important, that humility is key. Humility is key. Daniel, it says, is highly esteemed because of his humility. Isaiah 66, 2 says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. 
Jesus said uh, kind of something similar, different, different words, but the same spirit. In Luke chapter 10, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's not about, oh, look how spiritual I am or look how I can do this or that or the other thing. You rejoice because of who Jesus is and what he, how he empowers you, how he uses you, his authority in you. That's still all him. And so the act of humility is so important. And the other thing we continually see here is that like Daniel, we have to pray and not give up. Because we have seen these little glimpses in the scripture that there is more going on in between heaven and earth than we realize. So persist in your prayer. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Sometimes the Lord gives us insight into that. Sometimes he doesn't. But we know from scripture that we persist in that because God is working. So then how do the claims of uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 hold up here? Well, I can see in these scriptures that we are taught that what we see is not all that there is. We are taught that what we see is not all that there is. We just need to keep that in our minds. We are rebuked in our belief that we understand it all or that our perspective is complete. If you think the world around you is all that there is, these scriptures do rebuke that thinking in you and show you that, that you don't have the whole picture, that there is every reason to be humble and you're rebuked in any, in any kind of thought other than that. These scriptures uh, correct us away from fear and also away from obsession. They correct us to a, a right understanding of the spiritual realm. And also we're trained. We're trained in these scriptures to fight a spiritual battle. Not fight against people. Or ignore that a battle is even happening. And, and kind of try to live in oblivion. But we're trained that we are in a spiritual battle anyway. And to be ready for it. And to know how to respond. So to sort of tie this all together. I know we've sort of. I have, I've covered a lot of things very briefly. But how do we do this? How do we fight a spiritual battle? How do we really understand that in, in the context of our everyday lives? Like every, every fighter, we have to know who the enemy is. We have to put on the right equipment. And then we have to exercise the discipline to use it. Here's what I mean. Ephesians, 10, sorry, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. I didn't mark that one, so let's see how fast I can find it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. It's not a big deal. I can do all the books of the Bible in order in 15 seconds. Just I tried it the other day. And that is the um, power of Sunday school teachers. I learned that. That is the, like, that's facts. My Sunday school teacher gave us a prize if we learned them all in order. And I like prizes and I like to win things. So <laughs> I learned them. And I still go through the song in my head when I do it. God bless Mike McIntyre and his teaching in my life. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore... 
put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. There's an instruction manual for you, church. The first thing we need to understand is that our battle is not against people. Our battle is not against people. And then it says, listen, you've got to have that right perspective. You need to put on the belt of truth. In other words, you need to understand how to discern the lies from the truth. If you want to know a really simple way that I do this in my life, if I have a thought, if somebody has said something to me, maybe somebody's emailed me something, I'm like, is that true? But most often it's just the things I think in my own, in my own head. And if I pause to discern those things, you know how I do it? I ask myself a very simple question. I've told some of you this, so. Would Jesus say that to me? Because if I'm being told, like, whatever the lie is, if I'm, if I'm being told something about myself, or I, I'm being told, like, I'm useless, or I'm being told that I, I'm not good enough, or, like, you know, you just, like, just, like, list the things. Is that something that Jesus would say about me? That's a pretty simple first step if you're trying to discern truth from lies in your life. Is that something that Jesus would say? If you don't know the kind of things that he would say, by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are a great place to start. Here are the things that Jesus would actually say. Would he correct my bad attitude? Yes, he would. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he does, <laughs> you know. Or would he point to something in my life and say, you need to, you need to set that aside. You need to walk away. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. Would he say that to me? Yep, that's, that's probably Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit talking to me. There's a great discernment piece for you. The belt of truth, being able to discern the lies from the truth in your life, thinking, taking every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ. In other words, is this something that Jesus would say? We put on the breastplate of righteousness, which uh, righteousness comes from Christ. We put on that understanding that we are made right with God because we accept the forgiveness, mercy, and grace of Jesus, not by our own uh, standard, but not by our own effort, but by what Jesus has done. And then we choose to live in accordance with the commands of Christ. That's the breastplate of righteousness. And that's how we're made right through him. It protects our heart. We also have feet fitted with readiness always being prepared to share the good news of peace. I'll tell you what it does in your spiritual life when you are looking around for ways to share the good news of peace with the people around you. It changes the spiritual battle for you. You're not on your heels, you're walking forward, right? So when you have that perspective that there are people in your life, there are people around you who are literally like just longing to know what else there is. They're longing to know the, the Jesus that you already know. And if your headspace is there, you already have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We take up the shield of faith, faith that God will protect you from the attack of the enemy. We were just praying this this morning, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. We understand that we take up the shield of faith that, we, that ex extinguishes the, 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 the attack of the enemy. 
This is, this is what I like to think of as my, no, thank you. <laughs> no, mm, no, thank you. I see it and I say no to it because God is greater and I can just put up my faith that God is gonna protect me from the attack of the enemy. We also put on the helmet of salvation, God's saving work of Christ, protecting our, our, our thoughts, protecting and renewing our minds. And of course, the sword of the spirit, the offensive weapon of the word of God which again, we use not against people, we use against the enemy. That's like Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness, right? Just like, it is written, it is written, it is written. This is what the scriptures say, and this is what's gonna lead me to life, and I believe it with all my heart. And lastly, he says to pray in the spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, And he says, especially for the saints, especially for one another, pray, pray, pray. And I think this sort of culminates all the rest of them. And that, my friends, is my 30th slide. And Vaughn, you nailed it. Well done, sir. I'm so proud of you right now. You know, those media people don't get enough props, I'll tell you what. Uh, So this culminates the whole thing, is to say, you've got to pray in the Spirit. You want to understand the rest of it. Do you want insight into it? Do you want to set aside fear? Do you want to set aside obsession? Do you want to set aside indifference when it comes to the spiritual realm? Pray. If you want to know what God is up to, pray. If you, if you want to hear his direction in your life, pray. If you are battling something in your life, pray. Because that act of humility that says, I am here on my knees to hear from you, is the thing that God esteems. He highly favors the one who comes to him humbly and says, God, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do next? What, what do I, how do I encounter this in my life? How do I uh, deal with this other thing in my life? Whatever. He comes and he says, I see, I see your humble spirit. And I I'm going to come and speak to you. That's what scripture says over and over again. God gives grace to the humble. He poses the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so in, in prayer, we put on this spiritual armor. In prayer, prayer, we recognize our salvation comes from Christ. In prayer, we remember that people around us need to hear the message of the gospel. In prayer, uh, we are able to say, help me, Lord, to understand truth and lie. What am I believing in my life that's not from you? In prayer, we let our faith rise up. And especially, it says, to pray for each other. To pray for each other. Why? Well, for all of those reasons. And also, you're not the only one who's in a battle. Sometimes the best insights I've had into my own spiritual life is when I'm praying for somebody else. And I can say, like, I can have faith for them in their situation. Why don't I have faith like that for myself in my situation? Sometimes I'll pray a scripture that I know or come to my heart for somebody else, and then I realize, yeah, that applies to me too. You know? <laughs> Wait, that applies to me too. And so we pray for one another. And that's what I want to do. Matt, I'm going to ask you to come. Here's the exercise I want to do as we close this morning. Some of you are like, ooh, spiritual warfare, altar call. It's going to be so weird and freaky. Already, no fear, you guys. I told you that already. No, I, I, wanna, I, I want to exercise this last point from Ephesians chapter 6. The band is going to lead us. Uh, are you going to lead us in the tremble song? 
I love that. Good choice. I told Matt he had, he had um, 30 minutes to write a new song about Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. He didn't, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing? Are you sure? Okay. Uh, I want us to take some moments here in the service, and I want us to pray for one another. So we're going to do this in a couple of different ways. I'm going to give you just a moment. I want you to just even stay right in your seats. You want me to take another mic? You want me to take another mic? Okay, that's for you. Signals from the sound booth have nothing to do with me. I'm going to completely ignore them now. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I, I want you to consider all the things that we just talked about, the reality of the spiritual realm. And I want you to simply pray, to pray in the spirit. I want you, and if you don't know what that means, that's okay. Just really what I'm saying is, um, if, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to help you to pray. Like it says in Romans 8, like, Holy Spirit, help us to pray in our weakness. I want to pray in a way that, um, I, that is making sense in the spiritual realm. I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to say. And you can tell God that. Start right there. But as you are led, I want you to begin to pray for the things that come to your mind. We're going to practice this praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and praying specifically for one another because I want you to think about the people who are in this room, the people who you know are off campus with us this morning. I want you to think about the people around you and I want you to begin to pray in the Spirit for those who the Lord will bring to your mind. Maybe it's somebody sitting in front of you that you can see. Maybe it's somebody sitting behind you. You saw them come in earlier, whatever. Whoever the Lord brings to your mind, I want you to start to pray as the team continues to lead. I just want you to stay where you are. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to know who to pray for. Let me just be obedient to that so that I can step into the spiritual realm and to pray for someone around me. And trust that you really are going to lead me, Holy Spirit. And then a few minutes, after we've had a few minutes to do that together, I'm going to come back and I will invite you to come. And if you want to be prayed for, you want your shield of faith to be lifted up with someone else's, we can pray together for something specific, then it would be our delight to do exactly what Scripture says, to pray for one another. So you can, we'll, we'll have a moment, I'll invite you to come to the front and then others will come and we will pray in the spirit uh, with, on all kinds of prayers for the saints. But for this first moment, I just want you to just quietly, just listen to what he would say. Listen to who, how he's calling you to pray. Ask the Lord to teach you how to pray in the spirit. And begin to pray for the people around you, the people that come to your mind, even just to say their name, to speak their name in the presence of Jesus and let him lead you. So let's just take a few moments and pray, listening to the Spirit. And then I'll come back and invite you if you want prayer for something. We'll do that in just a moment. But let's start here, tuning in and listening to the Spirit.